KMTT, today is Tuesday, the Shur in Parshat HaShavua, will be given by Havav Alex Israel. Shalom and Chodesh Tov. This is Alex Israel speaking from Alon Shut. And we're going to talk about Parashat Dvarim. Um... Our Pasha this week begins with the topic of the appointment of judges. After the initial introduction uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu gives, uh, or that the Torah gives, to the speech of Moshe Rabbeinu, the great speech of Sefer Dvarim, um, we suddenly see a Pasha of the judges. And let me maybe just read a few lines from this Pasha to uh, remind everybody of the story. Moshe Rabbeinu says in an autobiographical um, episode, he said, Thereupon I said to you, I cannot bear the burden of you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you until you are today as numerous as the stars of the sky, etc., etc. But how can I bear unaided the, untru- the trouble of you, the burden, the bickering? And here comes the suggestion, Pick from each of your tribes men who are wise, discerning and experienced, and I will point them as your heads. And you answered and said, What you propose to do is good. So I took your tribal leaders, wise and experienced men, and appointed them over you, chiefs of thousands, chiefs of hundreds, chiefs of fifties, chiefs of tens, and officials for your tribes. Sare alafim, sare meot, sare chabishim, sare asarot, v'shotrim l'shiftechem. And at that point he says, Shemoa b'nachaychem, u'shvatetem tzedek, b'n ish u'b'n achiv u'b'n gero. Listen, be sensitive to your brethren, and judge in a spirit of righteousness um, between all the people and also between the stranger. Um, and warns them, not to take any bribes, and to be honest and have full integrity. Now, this, I think, is a rather surprising beginning to Sefer Dvarim. Um, Dvarim is going to, we're talking about here, uh, Mishneh Torah. Uh, We talk about um, reviewing the Torah. Is this really this appointment of judges the most momentous, the most prominent memory of all the 40 years in the Midbar. And when we're going to start talking about this, uh, we're going to have to really uh, understand how this fits into the general landscape, to the picture of Sefer Dvarim and uh, Parashat Dvarim in, in particular. However, before we plunge into answering that question, uh, I would like to uh, note a timely message in these Pesukim. And when I say timely, I mean the fact that we are now starting the nine days and close to Tisha B'Av. Chazal already told us uh, many times that we read Parashat Tvarim before Tisha B'Av. Every single year it is Parashat Tvarim that we we read before Tisha B'Av. And there are uh, many, many connections between Tisha B'Av and Parashat Tvarim. One particular a prominent connection would be that uh, the bulk of chapter 1 of the 
of the parsha talks about the Maraglim. And uh, the, in, in, the, in the episode of the spies, um, if you date the episode, we say that the spy episode took place, the Maraglim, the night that the people cried all night, uh, was actually Tisha B'Av. So much so that the Midrash says, God turns around to us and says, you cry because you don't want to come into my land. I will make you cry um, in future years on this date too. And uh, there's clearly a content connection here where the people reject Eretz Yisrael. They reject uh, the vision of a nation-state. They reject the vision of a Mamlechet Kohanim B'Goy Kadosh. And uh, indeed, it is on Tisha B'Av that this opportunity was actually taken from us. Um, and we're still waiting for it, to, for, for it to be returned fully. However, a second connection uh, relates to the notion of judges, which we which we opened with. Um, when we're talking about our opening section of our parasha, which deals with the judiciary, honesty and justice, not taking bribes, the centrality of judges, suddenly our haftarah springs to mind. Haftarah of Shabbat Chazon, Chazon Yishayahu ben Amotz, which deals with the decadence and the immorality of society in Jerusalem of the First Temple in the time of Chizkiyahu. Uh, and uh, there, when God wants to criticize the people through the medium of Yishayahu, he turns around to them and says, Dirushu Mishpat, Ashu Chamotz, Shiftu Yatom, Rivu Amana. There are people in society who have no one to care for them, and they are clear targets, they are easy pickings. The Yatom, the Almana, the widow, the orphan. Dirushu Mishpat. Seek justice for these people. He turns around to the leaders of society and says, Why are you taking bribes? Sarayich sororim v'chavrei ganavim ohev shochad. Your leaders, your government ministers, take bribes. He says, Jerusalem, instead of being a place of mishpat, a kiryan emana, a faithful city, has, where tzedek halimba has now become a place of of retach, of murder. And therefore, God says that I need to, I need to destroy you. I need to purify you. I need to break down your society. And eventually, after I have broken your society. Uh, I will rebuild it. After the destruction, after the cataclysm, I can rebuild your society and I will return your judges like they once were, your advisors as they should be. And after that, Jerusalem will indeed be the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Sion will be redeemed through justice, and its captives will be returned through tzedakah, which is related to tzedek. In other words, the central feature that Yishayel points out about Jerusalem is that there is no tzedek, there is no justice. How, how deep a connection between our parasha, where, our, where Moshe Rabbeinu opens his speech and says, there is a responsibility of judges to, to the people, to, in, to uphold justice, to, 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 to be filled with integrity and honesty, to 
to look to the people and try and solve their problems and not to line their own pockets. And Yishayahu here is, is, is bemoaning the fact and warning that unless Jerusalem shapes up, unless Jerusalem improves, indeed there will be a, a destruction. Um, of course, in both of these texts we have uh, the word Eicha in, uh, in, in, in our Parshim Devarim, Moshe Rabbeinu, and we read this in an Eicha tune, says, Eicha esalavadi tarachachem umasachem v'rivchem, and uh, Yishayel says, Eicha haital zona, kiriyane emana, we read the Haftarah as well, in an Eicha tune, obviously matching our Megillat Eicha, our Sefer Kinot, which we will read on Tisha B'Av. In other words, um, despite the fact that this is just Sefer Devarim, and uh, should maybe have no connection to Tisha B'Av, uh, quite remarkably, we find a whole stream of connections, be it the Muraglim, the notion of justice, or even the exclamation of Eicha, which again appears only three times in Tanakh, um, in, the, in, in our parsha, in the mouth of Moshe Rabbeinu, in our Haftarah, the exclamation of Yishayahu, and uh, then Yirmiyahu's statement um, in, in, in Eicha. Um, so, um, we should at the outset note these connections uh, because I think that they weave a very, very interesting tapestry of connections um, which should be in our minds, in the forefront of our minds as we go through this very uh, somber period of the, of the nine days. Let's go back to our problem, however, um, and try and uh, go back to the story of the judges that we see in our parsha. Um, we all know that uh, Mishnah Torah, that Sefer Devarim, is meant to review certain episodes that are detailed uh, earlier in the Torah. Um, at times, it is simply a review of early events without too much difference between them. But uh, there are times when looking at events in Sefer Devarim one is puzzled as to the disparity between the events as reported elsewhere in the Torah and the way they appear in Sefer Tvarim. Well, one example would be the, story, the way the Miraglim is, is reported in this week's parsha compared to parsha Shalach Lacha, where there are significant differences. A further, um, very blatant example is the Aseret Hadibrot themselves, where the actual text of the Ten Commandments differs between uh, Parsha Titro and Sefer Shemot, and Parsha Beit Hanan, um, chapter five of Sefer Devarim. There are significant differences between the text of the two uh, versions of the Ten Commandments, and then one has to ask: Is this really a review? Is this a repetition of Torah? It it, it seems maybe uh, more like a new version. How exactly does it relate? This week, what we're going to do is we're going to raise um, the question of what is the origin of our judge's story that we see in uh, Devarim uh, Perak Aleph. Um, if you want the reference, the precise reference, it is Perak Aleph uh, Pasuk Tet. Um, it goes all the way through to Pasuk Yud Chet. Um, I think if you ask most people uh, to which event this story corresponds, the appointment of judges, most people would point directly to Parsha Titro to Shemot Perak Yudchet, chapter 18. Um, and if I can just remind you of the content of that Parsha, uh, it is the famous uh, scene 
where Yitro, Moses' father-in-law, uh, sees Moshe judging the people alone, and it seems like there's a very, very long queue uh, waiting to talk to uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. And he explains to Moshe that this is a very, very bad idea. Um, he says, People are waiting for you from morning till night, and you're sitting there alone. And he says, well, the people, they, they, they want to seek uh, God, and that I should judge them. And he says, uh, this is going to be very bad, you're going to burn out. You simply cannot do this alone. And he gives him advice, uh, where Moshe will be the Supreme Court, he will take the most difficult cases, he will be uh, the direct um, interface with God, but uh, he tells him that he should create a whole team, and appoint them and indeed Moshe responds by saying um, he, he seems to do that which uh, Yitro tells him to do um, at a cursory level um, this uh, episode in Yitro would uh, seem to be the precise basis for the story that we find in Dvarim Perak Aleph, and uh, Dvarim Perak Aleph is a, is a is a review of that story. But as I say, that's only on a cursory basis, because when you look at the details, you will see that there are uh, significant differences or even contradictions, uh, which make the assumption that uh, Dvarim is based on Yitro uh, pretty impossible to uphold. Uh, let me list a few differences between the two uh, two texts. The first uh, most significant one is that in Devarim, uh, there is no Yitro. Um, Yitro is the central character um, in, in when we see the story in Shemot. But when we read it in Devarim, uh, all we hear about is Moshe. Moshe says, I found it difficult. Um, lo, I said, Lo uh, how God has made you so numerous, etc. And then it seems like Moshe comes up with a suggestion after he says, Moshe continues, You should bring um, people who are wise, with understanding, known in your tribes. But uh, Moshe comes up with the idea. Where, where did Yitro disappear to? Now here the Ramban makes a, a suggestion to try and resolve it. And the Ramban says that there may be good reasons why Yitro is, is not mentioned. Um, the Ramban says the following. He says, V'lo hizkir Moshe atzato bekan, v'lo amar davar b'shem Yitro amar. He didn't want to mention Yitro. Why? So the first thing he says is because of Moshe's humility. Um, it could be that to Moshe, sort of like a double negative, Moshe saying, and my father-in-law advised him, will make it sound like he's trying to be overly humble. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that he didn't want to raise the whole specter of his relationship with Yitro, who, which relates to the whole relationship with Sipporah, and the Ramban assumes that the association with Sipporah was a delicate point, and Moshe didn't want to start exposing his family connections to the people, and therefore Moshe simply, in his review, um, cut Yitro out of the picture, uh, told the basic facts, and 
and, and, and simply decided not to involve Yitro in his uh, retelling of the story. I guess it's possible, but the point is that uh, Parsha Yitro, Yitro is the central feature, that's definitely in our, in our Torah. Suddenly Mosheri tells the story, Yitro is absent. We wonder, is this indeed the same story if here it describes Moshe is coming up with a suggestion rather than Yitro? However, I can list a whole um, series of other differences. Um, first, who are the judges? Um, here in in Sefer Tvarim, if you look in Pasuk uh, Tevav, it says, These judges are Rashi Shiftechem Anashim Chachamim V'yiduin. They are leaders of tribes, men who are wise and well-known. They are already public figures. If you look in Sefer Shemot, these are anonymous individuals. We're not told who they are. We're not told what they are. We don't know who these people are, but certainly they are not named. Um, the people are described by their moral characteristics. Ansheikh Chayil, um, men of, of strength. Yurei Elohim, God-fearing. Ansheikh Emet, Sonei Batza. Um, it's quite interesting that the criteria in Devarim seem to be intellectual. The criteria in Shemot seem to be moral. Um, a further difference. Um, in Shemot, Moshe seems to express his acceptance and he goes along with the plan. However, in Devarim, this is referred back to the people. Moshe comes up with the idea of these, uh, this hierarchical court system and he presents it to the people. And uh, it says that when the people heard this, Vatomru, they said, Tov hadavar dibarta Moshe told him to the people, he said, You said this was a good idea. In neutral, we have no acceptance on the part of the people. However, um, I think there's the most striking difference between Shemot and Devarim uh, is this. In Devarim, what we read this week, the appointment of judges is a response to a deep crisis. Moshe screams out, Eicha, I can't cope this, I can't, I can't bear your load, you're arguing, your grumblings, your bickering. He turns at a certain point and says, Lo chalavadi seititchem. He exclaims, I can't, I can't cope with the stress. However, if you remember Sefer Shemot, Moshe seemed to be very, very happy until Yitro came along. Moshe never expressed any complaints. It was Yitro who came along and said, Wow, this is really going to, you're going to burn out in a few months. Did Moshe complain? Moshe seemed quite happy with the arrangement. So, once again, um, if I list all the differences, I think they're pretty significant. In Devarim, there is no Yitra. In Devarim, the judges are chosen on a different uh, basis. Uh, in Devarim, they're chosen on an intellectual rather than a moral basis. In Devarim, the people are consulted. In Devarim, the judges are well known. And most significantly, in Devarim, uh, the whole episode is a response to crisis. Not so in Shemot. And this makes us wonder whether indeed we are uh, drawing upon the same source. Is this really the same story as Yitro? Um, at this stage we should realize, and maybe some of you who are listening to this share are already thinking to yourselves and getting frustrated with me, because clearly there is another parsha um, which reflects this story perfectly. And um, and that is the parsha in Bahalotcha, in Bamidbar Parakut Aleph, and indeed this parsha in Bahalotcha seems to reflect many of the features of 
of the Dvarim. Uh, the most primary amongst them is the crisis. It is in Balotcha, in Bamidbar, in, in, in Numbers chapter 11, that Moshe has a phenomenal crisis, and he uses very similar language to that which we see in Dvarim. He says, Lo uchal anuchi levadi se'et et kola amazeki chaved mimeni. I cannot alone carry this people. They are too heavy for me. He turns around and asks God to kill him uh, rather than leave him in the leadership. Um, and this sense of, of crisis, he talks about the masakola amaze alai, the same phrase which is used now, parasha masachem, here again, masa. Um, and uh, the language seems to be very, very similar. Um, such that we, we, we gain a feeling that maybe in Baha'u'llah um, could indeed be the source uh, of, of our story. I'd say even more than that because uh, Sefer Devarim, uh, Devarim Parak Aleph, puts this particular crisis of Moshe in a, a historical framework. If you look in chapter 1 of Devarim, uh, it begins, the historical section begins with them leaving Mount Sinai. Hashem Elokeinu Diber Elenu B'Chorev at Mount Chorev, Mount Sinai, God said, Rav Lachem Shevet B'Harazeh Pnu U'Su'u Lachem Uvo Mori. Go to the Har Mori, which is Eretz Yisrael, uh, go to Israel. Then we have the story of the judges, which is followed by the uh, spies. In other words, this appointment of the judges takes place um, at some point between when we set forth from Mount Sinai to uh, the Muraglin. Well, that is precisely the placing in Parashat Balotcha. Uh, that is after we leave Mount Sinai and before the Muraglin. So, it would seem to be a perfect match. But, uh, of course, not so quick. <laughs> not so quick because um, Balotcha doesn't match in other senses. In Balotcha, we do not see judges. Uh, rather than judges, we see uh, prophets. Uh, and there's a very striking dissonance, a contradiction between Balot and Devarim. It's a mismatch, uh, because we do not there see um, 70 judges. We see 70 Zkenim, where it says, And the people, they prophesied and they never stopped prophesying. In other words, if I can summarize this point, Balot contains certain elements which are contained in Devarim, and so does Shemot. If we take our parish in Devarim, it would appear that there are actually two sources for Devarim. On the one hand, the placing historically of the story matches the parish in Bamidbar and Baha'u'llah perfectly. The notion of crisis seems to be drawn from, from Baha'u'llah. On the other hand, the notion of the appointment of judiciary, of actual system, of hierarchical system of Sarei Alafim, Sarei, uh, Sarei uh, Alafim, Sarei seems to be lifted, cut and paste from Parashat Yitro. And, uh, and now we find ourselves in a situation of, of uh, rather strong confusion. Um, what exactly is the source of our story? We have a, a, an incredible story in Sefer Devarim, a powerful story. What exactly, why does the story in Devarim, why does Moshe draw on two totally different sources, seemingly merging them into a single episode. How can it be? And I would like to suggest a few possibilities, uh, 
as to how to uh, explain this. Um, the first explanation uh, comes from uh, Rav Yaakov Meidan. Rav Meidan, in an article in Megadim, uh, volume Yud Zayin, 17, um, suggests something quite uh, quite novel, uh, quite a chiddush, although I did find similar ideas in the Hamek Davar, the Nitziv. Um, and he wants to say uh, very simply like this. Uh, before Matan Torah, Yitro comes along and suggests to Moshe, you're going to burn out. And he says, put together a judiciary, put together a whole hierarchy of judges. And Moshe says, great idea. However, in the absence of any particular crisis at the time, um, Moshe doesn't really get on with it. He's not so interested. He's got other things to worry about. The Torah has to be given, the Mishkan has to be made. Uh, he never gets around to doing it. In other words, uh, Moshe really didn't follow Yitro's advice at the time, even though it was good advice. Um, when do things come to a head and it really reaches crisis point? That's after they leave Har Sinai. When they were on the way and people were complaining, suddenly Moshe found... Uh, the burden of leadership so intense he collapsed onto the load. That was the breaking point. But when things were at Har Sinai, they were order, orderly camp. They didn't have to move anywhere. Everybody was organized. Then, then it was a problem. Then, then, then there was no problem. But suddenly, en route, as they were traveling through the the hot, parched desert, um, and the people wanted uh, specific foods, and and they were irritable suddenly the problem came along and Moshe found himself alone and he had not appointed the judges and hence what he did at that moment was at that point he enacted uh, Yitro's advice and he had to do it quickly and therefore he particularly took heads of tribes and made them into judges he took Anashim Yuduim he took people who were who were well known and put them into leadership positions apparently along with the Shivim Zekenim who were also uh, seemingly Rashay Shvatim um, in which case what Rav Meidan says is it looks like that uh, Sefer Dvarim is drawing upon the story of Yitro and the story of Balotcha he says indeed that is the way it happened uh, Moshe didn't exactly follow Yitro's advice until it was already too late and suddenly the crisis snowballed the crisis avalanched in the camp and very very quickly Moshe had to do uh, the work that he hadn't yet uh, got round to doing before I think it's a very uh, original uh, original explanation. Um, however, I would like to suggest a, a slightly different approach. Um, maybe I'll start off by contra- to contrast my approach. I'd like to, to, to read something from Rav Hirsch. Rav Hirsch asked the question, again, the parasha begins as a five pasuk introduction, and then it talks about us leaving Har Sinai, and uh, the next story it should really talk about is the Meraglim, as we go and approach Eretz Yisrael, but it interjects. It interjects, and it really is an interjection. In fact, uh, Rav Sabata once taught me that the notion of the story is introduced with the phrase Ba'itahi. And Ba'itahi is almost like putting a story in parentheses. It's saying, oh, and by the way, it's almost like a footnote. It's, it's, it's sort of saying, okay, I, I'm going to digress now for a while. Uh, I need to tell you something at this point, but it's really not part of the main story. Ba'itahi. Why is this story interjected here? We're told 
Lihar Sinai go to Israel, and we're expecting the Moroccan story next, and suddenly we have this judge's story. Rabbi Samson Rachel Hirsch in his commentary says the following. He says, At that time in which you were go to go to take possession of a land inhabited by powerful inhabitants, well-versed and experienced in warfare, I did not drill you in the use of weapons, did not make you study plans of war and strategy, did not perfect you in armor and arms, did not appoint military officers and generals. Even at the moment of imminent conquest of nations and countries, one thing, and one thing only was to concern you, to know the most faithful and most conscientious realization of God's Torah being practiced in your inner circles. Keeping the divine laws of morality suffices to conquer the world. Now, for those of you who know of Hirsch's philosophy, this is quintessential Hirsch. Uh, Hirsch is saying that, okay, we're going to fight a battle, we're going to set up an army and uh, conquer Eretz Yisrael, but we should realize, lo Hashem, that uh, really we we uh, capture the land of Israel uh, because of our morality and not for any other reason. And in fact, Torah mitzvot is, is, is way more important than any of the, the classic nation-building acts. Um, however, I would like to suggest something different. At the entrance to Moshe's speech, he interjects this notion of his personal crisis and the appointment of judges in order to express something very important. We are now opening Sefer Varim, which is the book of Moshe. Moshe's speech spans almost the entire book. Moshe has been the leader for 40 years. And imagine, if you can, if, if you can, having a leader for 40 years and then he disappears. You have the sense that, that you simply cannot, cannot continue, you cannot go on. I remember, I grew up in England, and... Uh, for most of my teenage uh, life, um, Margaret Thatcher was the was the prime minister. Uh, prime minister from my, I don't know exactly when, but as long as I remembered, she was the prime minister. And when she resigned, uh, when I was about 23, 24, um, it was like a shock. You felt leaderless. You felt like, well, who could ever fill her shoes? She had been uh, prime minister for three terms. Who was going to take over? Kalva Homer, a man of Moshe's stature, a man who had been a leader for 40 years. Um, Moshe Rabbeinu, as he starts this parting speech, I think, uh, I don't think it's important whether it comes from Bahalotcha or whether it comes from Yitro. Because Moshe is not interested in the details here, he's interested in the principle. And the principle of both of those stories is that uh, Moshe isn't the only address. That people can do Moshe's work. It's not all dependent on him. The first point to stress in Moshe's speech is, I am dispensable. Moshe, the great leader, but the most modest leader, turns around and says, you know, in the first moment of my leadership, as I led you away from Mount Sinai, I had a crisis. And the answer to that crisis was to hand over the leadership to you. Very soon I'm going to die. And I'm going to hand the leadership to you. Don't think this is unprecedented. Don't think that you can't manage without me. Don't think that the Jewish people will suffer because I'm not there, because I've had my crises before. Um, I wasn't always a leader with 40 years of experience. And um, there's always been the possibility that other people can do my work. And therefore, maybe the merging of the two episodes, 
of Yitra and Balotcha, which the common factor between them, whether crisis or no crisis, the common factor is that Moshe's leadership can be spread to other people. In Balotcha, it is the Shivim Zekenim. In in Yitro, it is the it is the judiciary. Moshe is saying, there are many many other people who can do that which I do. I'm going to be leaving you soon. You have to take up the mantle of leadership. You have to take up uh, the future. And uh, it is certainly interesting that the phrase which is used in Bahalotcha is ruach. Moshe's ruach. ruach asher alav. And when we read the description of Yehoshua, who will be taking over from Moshe, the description of Yehoshua is Yehoshua binyun ish asher ruach bo. Yehoshua also has that ruach. It's ruach he got from Moshe Rabbeinu, but it is the own ruach. Yes, Moshe is the great leader, but at the outset of his speech, he wants to stress he is dispensable. There are people who can replace him, and therefore the future is not lost because he is going to die. He is now teaching people Torah. He is passing on that which he has to uh, the people, and now they have to run with it, and they have to take it, and take it forward to Eretz Yisrael, to their destiny, to the future. Shabbat Shalom to everybody. Thank you very much.